The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day when we, your saints, can remember and give thanks to you for the saints who have died and are now in your presence. We pray, Lord, as we remember them, that you would instill in us a new spirit, a spirit of love, a spirit of joy, and a desire to share the good news of your love for all people, so that others who are yet to hear, yet to believe in you, yet to become saints might become so, by the power of your word, as the Spirit is at work in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. It's really a great hymn, isn't it? For all the saints who from their labors rest, who by faith before the world confessed, your name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Praise the Lord, alleluia. Praise the Lord, alleluia. This hymn is all about remembering how God blessed people in our lives. I really love this particular worship service because it helps me to remember people who I know who have touched my life, who have transformed my life in ways that only they could by God's grace. And so I pray for you this day that you can also remember whether it was parents or grandparents, whether it's children or friends, pastors or teachers, friends, coworkers, whoever those people are. Because you and I are the soldiers that are described in the rest of the hymn. We are the ones who God has placed here in this time in history to be his soldiers who will, who will be faithful, true, and bold and fight as those saints who nobly fought of old and win with them the victor's crown of gold. Isn't that something you're looking forward to? To be with the Lord and not have to deal with all the challenges and all the struggles in this world? But we are here today, and God still has a plan for you and me, and that's why, even though we look forward to what is yet to come, we still know God's got a plan for us right now. And so we're here, rejoicing, because it's all about Jesus. It's all about the cross. It is because of the cross of Jesus that you and I can know we are saints he died for all of your sins so that you can be holy in his sight. Yeah, I said holy. Without sin. And it's pretty hard for us when we look within ourselves to say, really, me? Uh, what about my doubts? What about my fears? What about the things that I've done that I just can't redo? And we heard today through Pastor Dan sharing with us God's words, you're forgiven. 
You're a saint. You're a holy person in God's sight. And never, ever, ever let Satan create doubt in your life. If you ever wonder, look at the cross, look at the baptismal font, and know that's where God claimed you and said, you are mine. And I will never, I will never abandon you. I will be with you. Always. Now, last week, Pastor Dan shared with you a life cycle of a person, of a church, or of an organization. So, just a quick review you got to see in the lower left hand corner, you've got a birth. We're all born, right? And we've been growing. We're at different places in terms of our growth. And as we continue to grow, we continue to mature. And then there's some time in our life where we kind of go over the hump, if you will, and we start moving into what we call maintenance and that decline and ultimately death. Well, those who have gone before us have gone through the whole curve, haven't they? And as you think about your life and you look at yourself on that particular curve, where do you find yourself? Now, my wife will tell you that I am not getting old. I'm only maturing. So I've not really technically gone over to that maintenance mode, although I think I really am, because as my life continues to mature, I no longer have the energy that I once had. I no longer have that endurance that I once had. And I have a few more aches and pains than what I once had. But I'm still working on that maturity point of view. And I know that the day is going to come when the good Lord is going to call me home and so we live somewhere on that curve. And so it is, we find that's a view of our own life. But what about our church? This can also be a life cycle of a church, of an organization. You know, you think about 75 years ago, the people who gathered together to make the charter for this congregation, they were down at that birth stage, and they grew, and they were excited. Everybody had to work together. Everybody had to do things. You talk to Kerm, and you talk to Marge uh, Bertram, and you talk to some of these others, and they talk about having everybody had to get in there and bail out water from the basement, and get out rid of those salamanders and all sorts of different kinds of stuff. Everybody had to come together because they were fewer in number. But then they continued to grow, and you can see all the different pictures out on the wall back there of those who confirmed their faith, a lot of different people throughout the years. And so you can see we are somewhere on that curve, probably more into that maintenance side. I mean, after 75 years, right? But where would you put our church? Last week, Pastor Dan pointed out that in the words that we looked at last week from Nehemiah and the words that Martin Luther shared with us for the Reformation, we were reminded that it seemed like the church, their ministries were actually kind of going into decline, at least the people in Jerusalem the gates were torn down, were torn down, the walls were burned, everything, everything was, the walls were, walls were torn down, the gates were burned. Everything was kind of in a mess there in Jerusalem. 
And the church at the time of Luther was really kind of going downhill too. Luther himself couldn't find joy. He couldn't find peace because the church did not give to him the answers of what the scriptures gave. And that was that God had declared him, just as he declares you and me, forgiven, justified, declared innocent in his sight through faith. Because God declares it so by grace through his word. It's a gift. It's not what you and I do. It's what Jesus did for us. That we can be seen as saints and holy people in his sight. And so God, in fact, gave them a new vision, if you will. And that's where the church, if you will, on the left-hand side is kind of going downhill. But with Martin Luther, with Nehemiah, they started something new. A new curve started. And there was a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm. A lot of different things that were going on in that day and in that time. And so it is that we look at possibilities. Uh, we look at potential. And as we take a look at potential and we take a look at the visions that are possible for us, we also recognize that it is possible for something new to get started and all of a sudden people are looking at I don't know if I really want to do this. I like things better the way they once were. Why, why can't we just go back? Why can't we just kind of stay where we're, we've been? Well, that's the challenge, isn't it? Anytime there's something new, some people want to move forward, some people want to stay behind, and some people are sitting there going, well, you know. And one of the things that we're looking at today from Nehemiah is the following. Nehemiah looked at the situation. Ron, there you go. <clears throat> he had to answer four different questions. And he does that in his book. And he looked at the issue that must be addressed and the way to address it the reason that it must be done now and why it must be done now. Nehemiah had heard, as we've been looking at already, that the Jewish people who had returned to Jerusalem after the captivity in Babylon were in trouble because the walls of Jerusalem were broken down and the gates had been burned with fire. So Nehemiah decided how to address that because God told him how to. And Nehemiah prayed, prayed for days. And then the Lord led him to ask the king to give him some time to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the wall and the gates. So the king gave him this leave of absence, which was rather unusual for a king to do. I mean, after all, he was the cupbearer. He's the one who drank the wine ahead of time to see if there was any kind of poison in it. So he kind of had a very important job. But the king liked Nehemiah, respected Nehemiah, and God moved the king to give permission for Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem to have an army escort and also to get permission to have the supplies 
And so all of that took place. Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem, and then he's there for three days, and he waits. Doesn't tell anybody why he's there, but he waits. And at night, under the cover of darkness, he goes out and he inspects the wall and the gates. And he sees it's just like the report had said. And so Nehemiah then, the reason that it must be done now for them to go and to build the wall and the gates is that they would no longer be in trouble or be a disgrace if the wall and the gates were rebuilt. So that's why Nehemiah went and reported to the leaders and the people who had had to do the work, this is what we got to do. And the people said, why it must be done now is God had given to Nehemiah the promise that I'm going to bless you as you do this. And Nehemiah said, God wants us to do this. And God would bless them. And the king, in fact, was behind it. So once Nehemiah told the people all of these things, they said, okay, let's rise up and let's build. So they did. Now, for us, you know, two weeks, we're going to be gathering together with Reverend Tiemann, as I said earlier, to do our visioning day. And we're praying for this. I hope you will be praying for us as well with this. Because as we gather together on that day, we're going to take a look at the demographics. We're going to look at the information that we know about the people who ha are living here and what the projection is of people who will be coming here in five to ten years into our community. We're going to be sharing what we've discovered from talking to some of our community leaders, the township, as well as the city leaders. And we're also going to talk about what we've discovered from talking to our neighbors. And with that, we hope to come up with three target areas. And then we'll have an opening statement describing our mission target, a statement describing what compels us to reach out to this mission target, one or more statements that describe a general strategy, and one or more statements that describe a plan for reaching that mission target. Now, you might say, well, wow, that sounds really cool. How are we going to do this? Well, we're going to do it with prayer. We're going to do it with help. And that's why we're having Reverend Tiemann coming. And probably one of the most important things I want to share with you is that we, as your leaders, will be sharing this information with you because we need you to help us in reaching these targets because this is our church. This is our ministry. And God has put us here in this place at this time in this community for a purpose to be as witnesses, to reach out into this community and the communities around us and around the globe for that matter, but also for us as a community to grow together, to grow together around the word, to grow together in relationships as we do the work that God has called us to do. And as we seek to have the strategy and as we seek to have the focus, we're looking at it as a rifle approach, if you will, as opposed to a shotgun approach. And so we need you to pray. We need you to help us so that we as sisters and brothers in Christ might work on that mission that God has given to us. 
as we seek to be sharing and caring and growing in Christ. May God make it so. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which passes our human understanding, guard and protect us in the Christian faith until life everlasting. Amen.